0: Hello, wonderful listeners. It's another episode of In Bed with Dr. Sue. I'm your host, Sue Storm, and I want to welcome you to another Kinky Questions and Confessions show. I gotta say, though, once again, my listeners don't disappoint. I have some of the juiciest questions sitting here. And I'm going to sink my teeth into them. Mm, mm, mm. I just want to remind you that these are my opinions. Nothing is carved in stone. Your kink is strictly your kink and will be different from any other person, even someone with the same kink. So take what you can use and discard the rest, which is how you should take any information you hear or read. Plus, do your research. I'm always learning new things, and times change quickly. On that topic, though, I was talking to Jay, and he was apologetically disagreeing with me on some things he read that I had written. He didn't have to apologize, but he's a very good boy and was being quite respectful. See, I don't get upset when someone disagrees with me. I love it. I learn more from those of you with differing opinions and viewpoints. More than I ever will just surrounding myself with yes people. As long as it's done respectfully, I'll happily listen to your point of view. Hopefully, Jay will come on the show one day. (laughs) and you can see what an insightful man he is in person. I'm not going to put all the question shows like this one strictly on Patreon either, and I'm hoping to do these a few times a year. I really like question shows, so keep them coming. And a big thank you to every one of you who wrote in either on Patreon or on InBed you guys truly rule. Patreon will, however, get the show well before public release. So if you want to be first, join my Patreon. Okay, let's do this. I'm ready to dive in and sink my teeth into those questions and feel the juice dripping down my chin. So let's pour a shot of fireball and get down and dirty with these yummy inquiries, shall we? Okay, I'm going to start with this one. How does a male know if they are DOM, sub, or switch? I'm 66 years old. I like doing things for my wife. Am I submissive? This is in real life. How does a male bring up kinks, in my mind, to my vanilla Baptist-raised wife? Told you they were good. (laughs) Okay, it's been a while since I described to you guys about the way domination and submission works, so this will be a good refresher. Okay, we are all both dominant, submissive, and switchy circumstances, situations, and people involved will determine your response in any given situation. Here's what I use so you can visualize what I mean. If you've ever seen a sound mixing board, you'll notice that there's a whole bunch of little sliders that increase or decrease how loud you sound, for example. If we push the sliders all the way up to the top, the sound will be deafening. If we slide them all the way down to the bottom, you have little to no sound at all. Now, take one of those sliders and we'll put Domination at the very top and Submission on the bottom. And we'll put Switch in the middle. Most people lean more one way or the other in their daily activities, not just sexually. Take me, for example. I'm very dominant most of my life, like throughout the 24 hours in a day. But that doesn't mean I won't sexually submit to an alpha male. Of course I will. Within my own boundaries, of course, because I'm not that submissive. But that's the whole point of taking some time off of being that bossy bitch. You get to lose yourself in that powerful male for the amount of time you're with him. And it's the same for you guys. Why do you think you enjoy being submissive? Because all day, every day, you are forced, hell, as a woman, I have a little bit of choice here, but men are forced to be alpha males. So doesn't it stand to reason that if you could get the chance to not have to make a decision for an hour or two, You'd take it. I would. Now, in order for me to really figure out if you are personally Dom, Sub, or Switch, I'd need to talk to you for a bit and go over more details of your life. But maybe now you can see, though, that by the Dom, Sub, Switch scale, that maybe that's why you're confused. Because most of us do fluctuate through it. Essentially, you're all three. Just because you enjoy doing things for your wife doesn't necessarily mean you're submissive. Ever thought that maybe you're just a man, a partner, who's doing what he should be for someone he loves? As for how you bring up your kinks to your religious wife, that's a very hard one. Out of all the questions, this one is the hardest one to deal with. Here's the thing. You'll never... Change her viewpoint on her religion, nor should you. That said religion is the biggest hurdle to get across when it comes to kink. Again, it's hard for me to really answer because I don't have enough background and information. Again, it's hard for me to really answer because I don't have enough background. But here's what I would suggest list your kinks on a piece of paper and order them by number from most important to least important. So the kinks you just have to play and the kinks you could do without. Then look at your list. Out of the ones that are the most important to you, are any of those mild in nature? So for example, I wouldn't spring on her that say you like cross-dressing because that's going to freak her out. But if you just enjoy serving or Say you're a foot guy and a foot rub would make you happy. Those are easy to incorporate. So those are the ones that you start with. And you do this by using my age-old excuse. The internet. I've taught you guys this before. Always lean on the internet as a crutch when you're trying to introduce something to your spouse. And this is how it goes. I was looking at an article on the internet, and it said, fill in the blank, whatever it is you want to bring to her." and I thought it would be fun to try. Will you try it with me? You know, just for shits and giggles. By presenting it that way, it takes the pressure off of you because you aren't putting your throat on the line. You just happen to find the information. Could happen to anybody, right? Doesn't matter that you've had this in your head since you were 13. Just say you just found it. Now it becomes something fun and not heavy. It's a let's-do-this-together thing. She doesn't have to know how long it's been in your head. Just try and see how she does with whatever it is you want to try. But understand that with a religious wife, your chances are very slim. Unless what you want is super conservative kink-wise. But it doesn't mean you can't give it a try. Okay, next we have this one from Gigi. How does it feel that you have one of the most legit podcasts on alternative taboo sexuality? First of all, (laughs) it makes me laugh. It makes me smile. Thank you, Gigi. That's really, really sweet. Very kind of you to say that. I didn't think I had anything remotely legit. In my mind, every human with a voice box has a podcast, so mine is just one of many floating in the sea of podcastia out there. But that's really nice of you to say. And if it's true, it's fucking awesome. You know, I'm too legit to quit. That's me. (laughs) Thank you, Gigi. My next one is, well... She says it's a confession. This is from Sissy Natalie. Remember, you guys can send in any of your questions, totally anonymous. You can make up names. It doesn't matter. And most of these, I won't even tell you who the names are because it's irrelevant. Okay, so Sissy Natalie writes, this is a confession. I'm obsessed with quantifying how small my wee-wee is. I've collected charts that explain how a two point seven five inch penis is smaller than over ninety nine per cent of men. Data sets that calculate my penis volume is literally ten times smaller than average and diagnosed he says me i would- Im- I would imagine you mean myself with a micro penis. Well, that's pretty easy to do because yes, you do have one. Graphs from a medical journal that plot how my clitty is the average size of an eight-year-old. Is this obsession okay to nurture? First of all, not shocked, Natalie. We know what a size whore you are in the opposite direction of most. And yes, it's actually a good thing to nurture. And let me tell you why. I can hear anyone with a psychology degree going, That's not good. Okay. For me to tell you that it's not the size of the boat, it's the motion in the ocean or something equally trite and untrue would be a disservice to you. You have sexualized your incredibly small wee-wee. If you had not done this, you would be miserable right now. You'd be out there constantly getting rejected, feeling horrible about yourself in the process. Why would you want to do that to yourself? By sexualizing it, you save yourself that grief. What turns you on is uniquely you, just like what turns on your neighbor is uniquely them. As long as what you enjoy doesn't hurt someone else, you're fine. So long as you're not jumping out of bushes and insisting women look at your infantile penis, you're good. Keeping you, Natalie. Trust me, you're fine. Thank you for writing that in. Okay, this one's from Patreon. I know you've talked a lot about cuckolding. And from your podcasts, I know that you don't consider it cuckolding when a guy is serving a girl and her boyfriend. When there is no sexual relationship between them. In other words, when there's no sexual relationship between you know, the the cuck in this case. So this is the person who's speaking and the boyfriend and or husband. Okay. However, I do fantasize, and I know a lot of other submissive guys do too, about serving and being humiliated by one or more of our platonic female friends. In my case, I also think about serving their boyfriend and husband's, boyfriend slash husband. I agree with you that it does not fit into the definition of cuckolding, but what should we be calling this fantasy then? How do you think such a relation could work? What could be some of the activities in this kind of a female-led relationship? How would chastity and keyholding work in this situation? And could you also talk about the psychology of people involved in such a relationship and the dynamics? First of all, this is really good. Um, let me go to your first question. Okay, what should we be calling this? It's simply called domination and submission. There's no there's no fancy term for it. You want to serve a couple. Don't overcomplicate things. Some people want to serve single women. Some people want to serve a single guy. Some people don't care. Some people want to use, you know, want to be used by a couple just like you, right? So, You gotta get out of this. We must label everything, and once we label it, now we gotta make it an acronym. So, you just wanna submit to a couple. Then, what you want is a dominant and submissive relationship with them. Easy peasy. Your second question how could such a relationship work? The answer to that is any way you want. You decide based on what the couple wants. You have no say in it if you're there to serve. I mean, within reason. So you could look at it as a thruple and live with them, or you can visit on the weekends and serve, whatever you decide as individuals. Your next question, what could be some activities in this kind of female-led relationship? Well, first of all, you never said it was a female-led relationship. You said you wanted to serve a couple. That means the couple is in charge, not necessarily her on her own. I'm assuming the male in the relationship with your female friend is dominant. You said you want to serve the husband, so the husband then is above you, and you can do any activity the woman in a female-led relationship wants you to do. But again, that's not what you said, and you're forgetting that you have no say, essentially. I realize everyone's going, eh, don't you got to do rack? And you get, I, I get that. I'm saying within reason. Okay, so you do what you're told. These questions are irrelevant to you personally as the sub. This is something that you decide as the three of you. So the couple would sit down and decide, okay, this is what we want to do with this guy. And then they would bring that to you and you say yay or nay. And if you say yay, then you just start playing around don't overcomplicate everything. (laughs) Oh my God, you guys. Chastity and key holding. Well, chastity and key holding can be done by either the male or the female in the couple. They hold the key and only let you out when they deem it necessary or when they want you to release. Obviously this couple would be local since she's your friend, so that wouldn't be too much of an issue. As far as the psychology goes, it's just a simple power dynamic. There's nothing wrong or perverse about it. Thank you very much for asking those questions. They were very, very good. Thank you for sending them in. Ah, the next question is this. In my wife's first marriage, her husband mentally abused her, keeping her down, keeping her in her place. I would like to somehow help her be more in charge, become obviously more of a dominant woman. Show her how to take charge, if not in everything, at least in the bedroom. Okay. First of all, I want to say that I'm sorry your wife was so emotionally and mentally abused by this man. Many men suck and are usually behaving this way out of their own insecurity and fear. Now, how you can help her is by building up her self-esteem. It starts out of the bedroom. The only reason you want to help her in the bedroom is because it benefits you. Truth. Be honest. If you're truly wanting to help her grow, especially into her own power, you do that outside of the bedroom, boo-boo. You treat her like a queen. If you're sexually submissive, you'll love doing this. That means you're constantly telling her she's amazing, she's beautiful, she's smart. You're doing everything you can for her, physically, like making sure the house is clean, making sure she doesn't have to do anything. Especially tell her she's smart. That's important. Wherever this guy pulled her down, that's where you go to build her up. But you can't expect her to be a dom in the bedroom after living the way she did. You can't just toss the woman a whip and say, try this and see how you feel. I'm telling you, you'll feel great. Can a scared kitten who's been kicked around just be a ferocious lion because you tell them to be? No. Now you have a submissive trying to help another submissive, and that can be difficult. You need to be that take charge guy, but not in an abusive way. You have to be her soldier, her protector. You have to always tell her that no one will hurt her again. A woman like this will not take to domination well because it's what was done to her. She'll find it abhorrent. She doesn't want to be what her abuser was. And for most people who don't know any better, BDSM is abuse. I don't know what you wanted to do in the bedroom that you feel will make her feel powerful. You didn't elaborate on any of your kinks. But if you want to try a few things, make them very light. She can blindfold you. She can tie you to the bed. Nothing weird, nothing brutal, just simple, light things that put her in a position of power. Role play is another wonderful one. Put her in fun, goofy positions of power. You're the prisoner, she's the cop or the prison guard. Just nothing heavy. Again, fun, light stuff. The minute it gets heavy, she's going to pull away. The minute you say to her, I want you to humiliate me, she will pull away. And you may need to show her what you want her to do by doing it to her first, provided she's okay with that. Always ask an abuse victim if something is okay before you do it. Never ever spring stuff on them. Let me know how this goes for you, okay? we can update on another show. Okay, the next question is, I'm writing you to ask about something that has puzzled me for many moons, and I'm pretty sure you know a lot about it. It is the question of need versus want. It seems to me that needs are things that are necessary for survival, and wants are, well, you know, the stuff of daydreams. We're taught that everyone has certain emotional needs, but are they really needs or just measures for our comfort? Everyone is better off if they're loved, I'll give you that. But when you hear a guy's voice saying, I'm a man and I have needs, doesn't it make you cringe a little? It makes me cringe to think that There may be some truth to it. Maybe I've had a little too much of the Femdom Kool-Aid, but it leaves a much better taste in my mouth than all that dude wash. (laughs) This was so brilliantly written. I just can't. You guys were all... Oh, first of all, many moons. I say that all the time. Oh my God, I love it. And you not drinking the Femdom Kool-Aid... The dude wash. Oh my God, I can't. I just can't. Anyways, okay, that was brilliant. Okay. The reason why the statement, I'm a man and I have needs, is cringy is one, because it's been around for so long. So it's coming from a real patriarchal sort of a patriarchal base, if you will. I mean, I think that thing's been around since the freaking 30s and 40s, for God's sake. Okay, so um, I'd kind of hoped that it had faded away into the zeitgeist, but you're right, it probably hasn't. The other reason is because it's a classic line from someone who has a toxic masculinity problem. That's why. You're correct on your assessment of want versus need. But for men, because we bring all of you up to embrace this toxic bullshit... This is what we create. It's the cry of the whiny male baby. I can see the diaper now. Rattle in the other hand. But what about me? I have needs, you know. (sighs) Those aren't needs. That's the sound of a male who isn't getting what he wants. That's why you hear it and you think, Oh, God, because you've evolved and moved past your male programming, and don't buy into it anymore. That's why you're going to hear more. You're going to hear more of the insane bullshit that comes out of men's mouths, and you're going to be standing there cringing, going, oh, sweet Jesus, I can't believe we actually say these things. Just be glad you aren't that guy, and you don't have to play that stupid toxic game anymore, and you don't have to drink femdom kool-aid to see idiot males for who they are. If you have the ability to think critically, have a drop of common sense, and aren't afraid, you can see it all for what it is too. Clearly you have these capabilities. On behalf of women everywhere, thank you. There's a lot of stupid people with voices right now. Try to ignore and move along. Not your circus, not your monkeys. Thank you so much for writing that. That was absolutely wonderful. Okay, I have another good one. now. This one, this this is actually, this really is a good one. It brings up a good point. Hi, Dr. Sue. With all the adornments for ladies' feet out there, ankle bracelets, toe rings, tiny tats that can only be appreciated at close range, 10,000 shades of nail polish, and shoes that outshine anything in the heavens, you'd think that foot fetishism would be widely accepted, even expected. Yet it is still a thing that is kept, by me anyway, pretty well guarded. In mainstream media, foot fetishists are almost always portrayed as leering, drooling, maladjusted cave dwellers. I don't get it. We haven't lived in caves for many years, and relatively few of us drool, well, in public. There are ass fanciers everywhere. And why people are cool with that, but gaze at a foot too long, and here comes the men in the white coats. Why does this freak so many people out? First of all, another brilliantly written one. starting to think this was from the same person. (laughs) These are great. Woo! Okay. Because human beings are weird, we are, and as someone who is foot phobic, I can give you my point of view on this one. My feet don't freak me out, but I don't like touching anyone else's other than my own. I think feet are gross. They smell gross. They get dirty. They can be like moist and sweaty. (laughs) Just, you know, you can step and grow stuff. And everything I hate about them, there's a lot of foot fetishists out there, would love all of those things. It doesn't make it right or wrong either way. Just who we are and how we view things. It's perception. Put a toe in my mouth? Not a fucking chance. I'll suck a dick, no problem, though. (laughs) See? And you're dead right about asses. Everyone talks about eating ass now. It's like it's something off the food network for fuck's I don't do it for the same reason as the feet thing. I don't look down on someone who does. Fuck you do you, boo. Maybe it feels good. But I'm not good playing with it myself. So everybody else can do it. I just don't want to do it myself. My problem is I know the dangers of E. coli. And I'm a germaphobe, a mini germaphobe. So. It's not going to be in my wheelhouse. And you're right. I still wear nail polish on my toes. I still get my feet pedicured all the time like I can handle someone playing with my feet. But don't bring that mouth over to me anytime soon. You can lick my toes. Yeah, that's fine. But then you go brush your teeth, you rinse with mouthwash, and then have a couple more shots of fireball, then we might be good. So imagine eating someone's ass. <laughs> Boy, bye. <laughs> I can't. Oh my God. It's just, it's too much for my little brain. I think the freak out comes from the fact that it's dirty. Think about that. for I mean, Asses are dirty. Feet are dirty. It doesn't mean that you're walking around <laughs> like totally disgusting, but we associate asses with shit feet with smell right but the truth is everyone who has a phobia will have one for a different reason too so yes i agree with you feet are the most common fetish out there and should be way more mainstream than ass eating but we're dealing with human beings common sense is out the window piece of advice though Maybe if you'd stop sucking the toes of the women on the bus, you might get a better reaction. Like maybe ask first. And as for the drooling, we all know how that makes you look. (laughs) Awesome question, though. Oh, what do you guys think of this one? I have to hear from you about this. This is so true. I've told you guys before about that guy who went to the porn convention, told a porn star he loved her work and that he masturbated to it constantly, that he was thanking her. The bitch got offended. So when you figure that one out, let me know because it's the same thing. It. it I don't know. Human beings are weird. We cling on to the weirdest shit. Look at the weird shit that goes viral. It's the same thing. <laughs> Okay, next one came in last minute by Tyler. What's the best way to continue and even further the already increased sexualization and pornification of society? Hmm, I didn't know we were doing that. I don't think you need to worry about it. If it's meant to go that way, it will go that way naturally. All you have to do is you keep watching your porn and jerking off and let society take care of itself. <laughs> Little K wrote in and wanted to know about my first experience with a black guy. you think it would be this gigantic, wonderful fucking thing. I was 15. I lost my virginity at 14. I was 15... It was just the first black guy I had ever had. I had, I didn't have a lot to compare it to. So it wasn't like I'm in a position of, oh yeah, this is fucking great. It was good. And obviously having sex since then, yes, you learn to appreciate it. And you kind of went, oh, okay. Yes, now I understand it because nothing's been as good as that guy. So as far as, you know, was it good? Yes, it was fucking really good. But at the time, you're thinking, well, all guys do this, right? So I didn't have anything to base my opinion on. Looking back at it now, no, it it was fucking awesome. And obviously, I (laughs) went back into it later. So there you go. See, I'm sorry. It's not something too salacious. It wasn't like I was, you know, dragged into a back alley or something. Anyways, um... And finally, oh, my last question. Last question is the bestest, bestest bestest one of them all. My dear friend wrote in and said, here's one I'd honestly like to hear your view on. As folks age in the community, have those that went to BDSM gatherings, have they felt the atmosphere in those gatherings becoming more negative towards them? Granny's going to go off on this one, just letting you know. (laughs) Warning. (laughs) All right, first of all, despite you thinking that because all of us in the scene are supposed to be so free-thinking and we are the least judgmental of anyone, you would be wrong. BDSM can be the clickiest, most unwelcoming bunch of motherfuckers fuckers out there. If they don't know you, you will get shunned. How are you supposed to get to know them then? Each one insists that whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it wrong, even though your way of doing it is perfectly fine. Or, you you know, that's weird. This is okay, but that's weird. It's like, (laughs) this is what I'm talking about. So let's put that on the table right now. BDSM is not necessarily a friendly atmosphere. Sorry. you will There will be people who will contest that, and that's only because they've built wonderful communities. I'm not saying it's all like that. I'm saying there are big pockets of this. So, okay. But age, okay. <laughs> Lord. First of all, ageism is a thing. Everything. In Western society, we don't revere those who are older. We dispose of them. We send them into homes so we don't have to look at them until they die. We don't like watching people age. It freaks us out. It makes us deal with our own mortality. We are disgusting to our elderly, period. Okay, so now we're going to throw that attitude into the BDSM community. Again, I say, oh, Lord, you hit a double one on that one, right? Judgy, picky, and old age. In an industry like sex, all anyone wants to see is the fresh, new, shiny people. And that's fair. Watching old people fuck is pretty gnarly unless you have that kink. Now, when you go to these functions like munches, as you get older, you get spoken to less. The doms don't want to do business with the older ones because, well, they could croak in your dungeon, and that's kind of scary, on top of the fact that it puts you on, you know, makes you a heat score for fucking cops. That's a reasonable thing. However, I hear this all the time. Because you're not shiny and new, you're not a fetus. You're old and stupid. What do you know? You're old. You don't get it. Bitch, I've been doing domination since before there was an internet. But instead of looking at that as a source of wisdom, you get disregarded. Like I said, you're old and stupid. I'm watching it happen to me in the day-to-day running of my life. And it's creepy. What you need to remember is that you are missing out on the wisdom of those who have come before you. If you are blessed enough to reach the age, say, that I'm at, and many of you won't, I can say that with complete certainty too, by the way, to be left behind and basically told you are of no value anymore is soul-crushing. This is what I mean about this community. They claim to be so progressive, yet You treat anyone over the age of 40 with disdain. Think of all the things you could incorporate into your repertoire that you never knew about before. Things that we know aren't on the internet. You're missing out when you treat people who are older as useless and disposable. And you're shitting on your own self righteous progressive attitude about being in BDSM in the first place. Look at me, I'm different, I'm cool, but you're not because you're old. So yes, does this happen? You fucking bet it does. And the only way you can battle it is by getting loud. Show them that what you have to say is worth listening to. Make a spectacle of yourself at these gatherings. <laughs> That's what I would do. Take your God-given right to fuck you, I'm old, now I'll do what I won't, attitude, and speak up. And don't let yourself be treated like shit. Show them old is cool. Old isn't bad. It's actually great for a ton of reasons. One is, you have no fucks left to give. So, we do more experimental shit because of that lack of fucks. Remember this, the mind doesn't age unless you let it. So what you're actually looking at are aging bodies. The mind is fine. Degenerative brain diseases are accepted, of course. So I want you to stop looking at Grandma like she's stupid and useless. You'd be surprised at the shit Grandpa did in his younger days. And maybe start looking at those who are older, as some Asian countries do. With reverence and kindness. Gen X has seen shit you can't even imagine. So stop writing people off because of the times they've been around the sun, in BDSM, and in everyday life. The body slows, but the mind is sharp. Tap into that mind, ask questions, and learn something. Well, that's it for this show. Thank you all for taking the time to listen in. Hopefully you learned a thing or two or just had some fun. Don't forget to check out all my articles and audios on the DrSueReview.com. My audios are also available on Gumroad.com backslash DrSue. And this show is available on Patreon.com backslash DrSue, along with kink short stories and some audios as well. Have yourself a wonderful Valentine's Day. If you're alone, don't buy into the bullshit of this greeting card corporation created holiday it means nothing. It just puts pressure on singles to feel like they aren't good enough because they don't have someone in their life, and couples to buy more shit they don't need. What's important is what's in your heart. Remember, we are all different, and that's a good thing, because from difference comes creation, and from creation comes happiness. And that's what I wish for you, to be happy. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh oh oh! O'Reilly Auto Parts.